water. Earth. Fire. Air. Welcome to Bending the Elements. A production by the Novice Elitist Podcast. With your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. A podcast about all things Avatar. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, those in between and unaffiliated to uh, Bending the Elements and obviously this podcast, your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Caleb... How are you doing today, bud? Oh boy, I'm extremely excited and nervous at the same time for our first comic book review here on the Bending the Elements uh, feed. Uh, I think we mentioned in our previous Bending the Elements episode that when it comes to comic book reviews, uh, the two of us, and in particular Isaac, has become a little bit notorious. So uh, yeah, I'm curious how this thing is going to go. I'm infamous man I'm, I'm infamous in cer- many circles around these parts here uh, something where I can't be stopped with these reviews or whatnot but yeah this is this is a this is a monumentous occasion for for listeners today because they're gonna listen to us talk about comic books which means that they're instead of a commentary or whatnot or you know a scene by scene it'll be panel by panel hopefully not but yeah we're gonna be like reading books instead what they read books. Yes, in fact, we do, in fact, like to read text and also look at, you know, still static images. Yes, we are definitely fans of the comic books. And I'll say right off the the bat to spoil my thoughts for this one. uh, I did not really know what to expect coming into the Lost Adventures. You had told me that it was kind of done in more of like a comic book strip or comic book shorts kind of deal rather than, you know, like a full ongoing narrative. And so I came in a little bit like, okay, what what is this going to be? Is this going to be like Tales of Bossing, say, just in uh, like 250 pages in a comic? And uh, that's that's in some ways kind of what we got. And what we did get uh, was much better than my expectations could have dreamed of. This thing was, uh, after finishing uh, uh, up with the series, this was a dream to come back to. This yeah, fully immersed me back in the world of Avatar. And I was so happy with it. High praise. High praise from this man. This is... Okay, we're off to a, a great start. This is... All right, let's let's get on with this. Um, so don't worry. We're not like, you know... Um, I don't know what... We're, we're Like, you know... If you can find your copies, you know, your first edition copies, your... Well, I don't know if there's first edition. Uh, your secondhand... Bought from a secondhand bookstore. Uh, your digital copies, I don't know what legally would be, but I assume it probably exists out there. Uh, get it to page, uh, well, page nine. Good grief. Yeah. Page stamp nine. Yeah. Page stamp nine, don't forget that. Um, I'll just, I'll, I'll you know, for, for what Caleb's referring to, because this is, you know, uh, this volume, at least this is in my book, because I got the book, you obviously have the digital, correct? Yeah, digital. Uh, this volume collects previously unpublished comics, the Avatar of the Last Airbender Seasons 2 and 3 exclusive DVD mini-comics, the Avatar of the Last Airbender Free Comic Book Day 2011 comic, 
and comics originally published in Nickelodeon Comics number 31, 33, 35, Nickelodeon Magazine 124, 27, 133, 140, and 158, and Nick Mag presents eight, numbers 18 and 23. So, oh like I said, there, I, I was, yeah, I was incorrect where I said you know, it was just a magazine. <laughs> no, this was like you know, collecting everything up to that point. So, other than technically, we may, we'll, we'll do this at some point. I don't know when, but we will, I guess, review that little like you know motion comic that was on one of the uh, the discs there. I'll probably do that one at some mm. point uh, not not today but just like yeah yeah his first time he's hearing this but um yeah so we'll, we'll do that but at this point this will be pretty much everything up to um cora that was released at that time before the you know other you know i guess sequel comics i guess uh come out but anyway water earth fire air only the avatar can master all four elements and stop the ruthless fire nation from conquering the world but when the world needed him most, he disappeared. He's been gone for a hundred years until now. A young waterbender named Katara and her brother Sokka rescue a strange 12-year-old boy named Aang, who's been trapped inside an iceberg at the South Pole. Not only is Aang an airbender, a race of people no one has seen in a century, he's also the long-lost avatar. Now Katara and Sokka must help Aang master all four elements so he can face his destiny and save the world. All right, so we begin book one, Water, with Be Calm. Yeah, and I'll say, considering that we have uh, 26 uh, issues here, a little little mini stories to talk about, there will definitely be some that we go into fairly deep, and then some that there just isn't much there, and we'll probably you know get through them relatively quick. And this volume, I think, starts with one of those stories with Be Calm. Most definitely. Yeah, this actually kind of reminds me, uh, this entire, like, you know, I guess collection, for for me at least, as I'm reading it, uh, kind of reminds me of an Archie comic, where you, you basically had, like, a, a bunch of stories, you either had, like, one page to them, you had, like, maybe two or three pages to them, but that's, yeah, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting from these. Yeah, no, I can see, I can definitely see some comparisons there. Um, but Be Calm, this one begins with, uh, this is, again, like Isaac mentioned, during book one. And the gang, they're, they're just going through the, the woods, as they often did. And Momo, he finds himself uh, digging into a, a little bee little beehive, getting some, getting some meals for him. And because of that, the bees start looking around for who's the culprit here. And I don't know, I guess they find Aang and they're like, hey, this guy feels, feels interesting for us. Let's all surround him. Yes, no, these scorpion bees, you know, start, you know, start being attracted to Aang. He's like... Well, you know, was like, I do have a, you know, I do have a thing with, uh, you know, nature being the avatar and all. So it's just like, uh, yeah, as long as I remain calm, everything should be okay, until he resembles the hive from Middle Gear Solid Three Snake Eater. Yeah, and so he decides, oh crap, this is getting too close, a little too intimate with the elements or the, you know, some little little bug guys. So I'm just gonna run off. And Sokka points out there's some smoke, and of course, you know, we all know bees don't like smoke, so he heads over there and. Yeah, I guess there was a firebender. I don't know, maybe he was making a nice little camp for himself, cooking a little meal. Well, remember, where there's smoke, there's firebenders. Yeah, and that poor firebender decides, like, hey, is this, uh, who, who is that? Don't move, I'm going to arrest you. And the bees attack him, and then that's pretty much the end. <laughs> the end. Yeah, so, yeah, that one, for the start of this book, I was kind of like, oh, like, is that what this is going to be, everyone? Just kind of like a little joke bit? Maybe two pages long. I was like, "Oh no, this! I don't know how this is gonna turn out." Well, there you go. Well, uh, if you don't like that one, uh, well, next we have Katara in Water War. 
yeah, this one's got a page extra. It's just Katara. Again, they're they're going through the Earth Nation, and she notices there's a couple of little kids pulling some pranks. They're hiding up in a window, and anyone who walks past the window, they splat them in the head with a nice little water balloon. You know, we've all been there. And so Katara's like, hmm, you know, these, these couple of little pranksters, maybe I'll show them what's what. It's time to uh, declare a water war. And so all subtle-like, she walks under there, whistling a tune, waiting for them to, to strike. And then once they do, she goes to action. Yeah, I definitely like the bit where, you know, the kids look down and they just see their reflections and then bam, just like a bunch of a torrent of waves just, you know, erupts beneath them. It's like, oh, good grief. The, the crowd is cheering like, yay, you got these troublemakers. Yeah, I did like the reflection. It almost looked like uh, like CGI <laughs> if it would, if it was going to be in the show. That's how they would have represented it. <laughs> oh, great. We've somehow ended up in the abyss. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's very similar in tone to that, that first one. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that, that's, that's fine for what it is, but really not too much there. Yeah, a lot more lighthearted than uh, you would think with the heavy stuff of the uh, animated series. Yeah, but I guess this is book one. But what, what about Don't Blow It? Take take it away for us. Well, hang on. You well, you ended. You forgot the bit in the end where you know she's just like only a moron challenges a waterbender to a water war. Of course, guess like you know the king of the morons uh, is right behind her, about to you know heave a water balloon at her. I did like that end gag. I thought at first she was being kind of mean. I was like, hey, those kids didn't know she was a waterbender. Like, hey, come on, those kids aren't morons. Hey, instant karma about to hit her again over the upside of the head. Now, uh, one thing I was I was about to do, but I'm probably not going to uh, because it would take t- way too long. I was gonna list the credits as we used, you know, of course, used to do with the, uh, well, we obviously will do in the next show, but like, I almost wanted to, but yeah, maybe not. But I definitely know for a fact that you are enjoying this art so far. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, no doubt. And a lot of these are all done by similar, like the the person who did this one, Water War, was done by uh, Justin Ridge on the the art. And he does a, a ton of these. Uh, written by, or story by Tim Hedrick, by the way, as well. And I don't know if we'll list the story by or art credits for all these, because again, there's there's so many of them. There's, yeah, no, we'd be here all night. I, I want to give credit, because, you know, we use, we always try to give credit to, well, everybody knows this from our how our program works, but uh, our format usually is to give credit to those who have written stuff. Obviously, there's uncredited roles, but anyway, yeah, no, we're not, as, as logistically speaking, this would take forever, and he'd probably have to split into two videos, and he does not want to do that. So, don't blow it. Yeah, take it away. So, um, Aang's got to sniffles. He's stuffed. He's got a. Uh, he's got. He's got gunk. He's got to drain the gunk, man. He's got to degunk himself. And yeah, basically, you know, he's he's a, he's a big sneeze. It's a big old sneeze fest. He's he's blowing himself away. He's bl- he's blasting off. We remember in the first episode in the pilot. Well, sorry, not the under pilot, but yeah, boy in the iceberg. Gotta make sure I got that. Make that clear. Um, we he's yeah. When, whenever he sneezes, he he goes high into the air. Uh, and then we see that where he's like a, a helium balloon or whatnot that you just let you let go and it just like whizzes everywhere. Um, so it's just like, yeah, he, he keeps, you know, just like you know, just blasting himself everywhere. He, you know, they're traveling on Appa and you know, blasts himself off of the uh, off of the saddle. And of course, 
Um, it was Sokka's idea to tie a rope to his waist. And, of course, your Katara's like, that rope was a good idea. Thanks. Indeed, it was. I, mean, I definitely appreciate that. They land and, you know, they're set up camp. And again, yeah, Aang's just, he's got this sniffles. They're so annoying. And again, blasts off again like Team Rocket. And, uh, yeah, well, once again, uh, who spots him? But uh, the old Fire Nation. And so he's like, quick, we got to get, get, get. And they, they get. And uh, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, man, that was uh, that was a close one. I wonder how they found us. Oh, and uh, yeah, both of them are not happy. And uh, throughout, of course, Katara was saying, oh yeah, we there's this uh, remedy. There's a homemade, you know, wives' tale remedy or whatnot that we you know have at our home. Uh, you know, is kind of similar to like Vic, uh, Vic excuse me, uh, with rubbing a certain solution on your chest there. And so uh, they they do that to him after they you know tie him up forcefully to a rock. Uh, very smart, and just have him, you know, have his supper, and uh, yeah, all's, it seems all's well then as well, until of course uh, Sokka also gets the uh, the sniffles. <laughs> On to the next relics. Yeah, relics. Now this one, the, those first three were, you know, just kind of they were just kind of there, little joke ones. This one feels more like it's almost like a mini plot from the show, just done in uh, yeah quicker succession, as we see them arrive in this kind of mountainous little town, uh, getting closer to the western or the northern water tribe. And while they're going through the shops, Aang discovers an old airbender uh, ancient relic, a pendant. And the man trading it's like, oh no, a, a man, he, he brought that in a few days ago from up in the mountains. And so Aang gets it in his head that he wants to go see if there's maybe some some surviving remnants of the airbenders up there. Yeah, no, he just sneaks off at night. He's like, yeah, I gotta, I, I definitely gotta, he has a whole thing in my inner monologue, of course, like, maybe I should have told Katara what I wanted to do, but what if she had said no? She's been so focused on getting to the North Pole over everything else these days. Besides, she believes all the airbenders are gone. But I haven't given up hope. If there's one place they could hide and live, it's these mountains. And so on and so forth. So... Yes, there's, uh, he's not running away, he's just, you know, there's still that inkling in, in this, in this, yeah, this, this story, there's still an inkling of hope that Aang has that, you know, they survived. It's like, all right, fair, fair enough, he's, he's still got that. So he, he makes it to, um, to this landmark, this, this stupa, as it's called, uh, I guess a mark that air, you know, airbenders would, would only know or something like that. And he, he prances off and realizes there's there's a light nearby in one of these caverns and whatnot. He goes inside. What happens? Yeah, as he goes inside, he sees this this guy in the corner sitting in this this little huddle. And at first, he's like, oh, he's thinking inside, like, is that an airbender? But as the guy turns around, he realizes it's the merchant. And a trap is sprung. And since this is book one, after all, who's behind the, the trap? But old Zhao, he, he's back again with some troopers, and he's very pleased. Very, very proud. Yeah, pr- proud of his trap, and he goes into a little bit of some details about uh, how this trap was used previously on other airbenders. Like That's how they were fighting the stragglers, by dangling some of their, their culture in front of them, and like, oh, maybe some of your people are still alive. But once they went to look for them, that's when, yeah, they found similar traps, and and. That was actually like, wow, that's that's dark to think about the history of them dealing with the, the last remnants during their genocide. 
like ooh, and yeah, just thinking of them killing those airbenders when they come into those caves like that too i was like oh that, that's a dark dark little story for us yeah if you wanted to really get like you know think about it it's it's similar to remember how in uh, revenge of the sith there's that sit there's that distress call that they had the Jedi Temple, where it was calling all the Jedi to return to the Temple during Order 66. And then when Obi-Wan and Yoda went there, they turned it off, because that way Jedi would no longer go to the Temple. Um, It reminds me of that, and this actually also kind of reminds me of uh, those stories of like, oh, Vader goes and hunts down the last remnants of the Jedi. Kind of reminds me of that a bit. Oh, yeah, I can definitely see that. And, yeah, we get a, a pretty cool little action scene here done in the, like you said, the still frames. And uses some of the old airbender tools. I don't think they're necessarily weapons, but uses them in ways that they would be. Like, there's this giant horn that he uses that, uh, yeah, almost blows them away too loud. And then I'm not sure what this other piece is. What is this thing? Uh, let's see. The... <laughs> D-O-R-J-E. I don't know what culture this is originates from. I don't know what if the J is silent or how you pronounce the J, but Dorji, Dorhe, Dor... Dorhe or something like that. Apologies. Uh, Dorhe are used in rituals, but my friends and I found out that if you spin them hard enough uh, inside a room, this would happen, and it basically creates another, like, kind of almost like a two-bit tornado, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah great, great image. Looks really cool. Yeah, these, uh, you know, most of these, I, I think, for up to this point, I think it's kind of easy to say, but I gotta say, most of these, man, are all just, you know, storyboards. Yeah, no, that's fair. And Aang manages to escape, and I do like the joke that poor Zhaoi's sitting in a tumble, and the merchant, he, he's got like this this pot in his head, and the merchant's like, oh, do you know that that pot in your head was a genuine airbender's, uh, and then it says C, and then it cuts off. I'm assuming he's gonna say chamber pot. That's what it was. I kept thinking, I was like, what is the sea? I know it's supposed to be, you know, where they, you know, um, was an emptied body waste, yeah, uh, an excrement, exactly, but I'm just like, exactly. kept thinking spittoon. It's like, that's not it. It's like, what is the sea again? Chamber pot. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, right. That's that's correct. Yeah, and we see Katara and, and Sokka going around looking for him because the morning's come and Aang was, was not there. And when they find him, he's he's off to himself like we often saw Aang early on. Just kind of reflecting and katara has another kind of sad moment when she's like oh ang this i'm sure this place reminds you of home you know all these mountains the airbenders would have loved it here and she says they probably would have been attracted to this place and ang says yeah a few of them probably were and that's how we end very sad little mini issue there yep no it just ends in silence once again very effective guys uh even in a still static format uh definitely gets the point across absolutely that's a, this one gets a, gets a thumbs up for me so hey you know may, maybe there are there are a few comedic ones at first caleb but hey you eventually got your serious one. Oh, and we'll get plenty more yeah i think this one actually kind of reminds me of the bit in uh Shyamalan's movie where he goes to the temple and there's you know he goes to the northern air temple and that's where Zhao captures him Mm. Um, I I was like, oh, I guess that's kind of similar to this in a way. Hey, eh? like maybe that's where he got the idea from, or it's just a coincidence. But it's like, oh, I guess because there was that you know guy who was I guess living there who sold them out. 
So I'm like, oh, it's kind of similar to this, except he, you know, Aang escaped, obviously. Was Xiao in that, The Last Airbender? Uh, yes, he was. He was uh, played by the guy from The Daily Show. Oh, yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's all I literally know. Like, guy from The Daily... Or pizza, pizza Man from Spider-Man 2. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but this next one, following up on that kind of uh, heavier note, we get uh, Momo in Fruit Stand Freestyle. And I, I like the animation of this one a lot. It's it's a very simple thing. It's it's done in yeah two pages, and it's just Momo sneaking in trying to steal some fruit from this uh, I don't know I guess a dog hog or hog dog. <laughs> it's a hot dog. It's like a possum warthog hybrid hybrid. Oh, by the way, it's uh art. I think it's art rather than art animation. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and so they just have a little bit of a fight, and e- either way, it's it's not much here. But in terms of the animation style and the coloring, I think that this thing is uh, a pretty pretty cool little mini issue. Yeah, it's got some. You can almost see some Looney Tunes esque escapades going on in here, um, just with you know, especially like you know the the artist himself giving a lot of like kinetic energy between the two, and it kind of ends in yeah. that bit. If you remember in the unaired pilot where. Uh, Momo would just like you know wraps himself around a pole. It kind of ends like that again, but with the, I guess possum hog, uh, also on his tail. And but it, hey, in the end, uh, I guess both of them get what they want. He's uh, possum hogs gnawing on Momo's tail, and he's not. Of course, Momo has found a tasty fruit to uh, snack on. Yeah, yeah, fun little short issue. Um, I don't know why this probably has no relevance, but it, for whatever reason, this little mini one was making me think of cat dog was that the name of that program <laughs> did you ever watch that yes yeah no i rarely mm. uh because i don't remember if it was on ytv or if it was on ytv they pulled it when i started watching it and i don't look fondly on it from nowadays but no me neither is i thought it was a terrible show but i definitely watched it <laughs> but i always thought it was so strange i was like what what even is this show like like they are they're desperate to find something to do these days <laughs> <laughs> desperate those days jeepers man you say that then like good grief oh there was a lot of desperation out there but (laughs) but um yeah then we jump over to book two earth so quick quick transition over to that that was five stories yeah five stories from book one uh, would you say any of those would not uh, have existed in book one, by the way? Or do you, like, do you think there's any continuity errors? Or are you okay with you know how they went with this? Yeah, nothing really there. They were just kind of in-betweens, most of them. Yeah, except for the Xiao one. That one felt like it could have been an episode on its own. Oh, certainly. Um, do you, Actually, if I can ask, did you uh, feel like you could... You know, you'd have to probably really think about this hard enough. But do you think you could figure out... like a about the timeline of where these some of these events took place not so much in that one definitely into the next books book two and three i feel like um i can almost picture where they would slot in okay i'll I'll maybe if i can remember this i'll, I'll bring something up a little later on that but anyways now we have sleep bending yeah and i love the way this art looks in this one i think that this is a really nice one well, it's by your bud, Joaquim Dos Santos. Oh, I did notice that. I was I was so happy to see him again. I was like, hey, there he is. Yeah, old, old pal. I think this might be the only one he does. I think so. Yeah. 
Yeah, but we see that the gang is is sleeping and then all of a sudden, disrupting their uh, their slumber, a giant spire pops out of the ground and sends Momo flying up to uh, to meet Princess Yue. Oh, man. Oh, it's full moon as well. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah, she was recently dead at this point, too, at the start of book two. Uh, this is post... This could be before... Oh, yeah, Toph's there. So, yeah, this is... Yeah, Toph's yeah. there. So, yeah, it's been a while, but not not too long. But, like, yeah, the, I guess it's still fresh in somebody's memory. But, yeah, it's probably after the blind bend, maybe before the chase. Who knows? Yeah, and everyone has a freak out, and we, the audience, get to see that there's actually... This is Aang's dreams affecting him as he is flying through the sky, enjoying a ride on a... I don't know what you'd call this. Like a bat hippo or... It's a cross, so he says flying fish opotamus. So it's a cross between like a fish, a seahorse, and a hippopotamus. Whatever it is, I love it. This is a great, there, there's a number of really good um, chimeric beasties. Yeah, I think they like, yeah, I think they showcase this in, in this issue. Well, in, in these, well, I say this issue, but like, yeah, in this entire collection, we got some, some, you know, little, some critters that I don't think we saw in the show. Actually, I think we probably saw a few of them in the show, but even still, it's like, yeah, there's a few others that we see in the show, or in this, and I'm I'm happy to see again. Yeah, and I like the way that they use the paneling in this to bleed in Aang's dream as comparison to all the rest of it. The colors are so different, and it like, almost like bleeds into the reality. And we just see everyone else having to, yeah, having a really rough time. Aang is like almost attacking them in his, his dream unintentionally. And we never really saw anything like that in the show. I was like, oh no, I never thought about that with the Avatar. This is, yeah, that'd be troubling. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like these are, I, I'm I'm not saying these are like bits that they cut from the show, but it's definitely like, oh, what if we went in this direction? And they they never did. So it's like, oh, I guess, yeah, we, we can't do that. But like, that's why these comics exist. And can I just say, yeah, the, again, these things are like, when I say like, you know, these things are, um, I want to keep saying story frames. It's not that. But storyboards, man, I tell you, like, these are literally, like, straight ripped from the show itself. I'm, like, impressed with the direction. And not only that, like, just the amount of detail in this. Oh, yes. And especially, like, the coloring as well. Like, I am, like, I'm very impressed how much, like, you know, much, uh, how much, like, effort they put into this. And, like, I guess the funds as well. It's like, they spared no expense. Sorry, I gotta keep repeating that <laughs> John Hammond quote. Yeah, definitely some of them will eventually branch away from the show and feel quite different i guess we already saw that with the fruit stand freestyle yep but yeah a lot of them do just look like they could be just put right into the show if you just put them in motion you wouldn't be able to tell the difference <laughs> minus all the of course the comic sound effects and the, the letter boxes you know if they remove that it could just be images from the show yeah i'm just yeah i'm so i'm just impressed with the like level of detail and i guess like effort and I guess money put into this, like, dang, like this, it just looks like it literally is for like all the shadow work. Like, I don't, I don't know how often I would see that. Like, I'm, I i do not know how often I would see this in like a, I guess another tie in comic story from like a TV. I mean, I haven't read most of those nowadays. Me neither. I can only imagine. Well, but to end this one, so they all have to end up going on a run because Aang's, Oh, actually, it was Sokka's boomerang gets caught in one of Aang's, uh, these, like, air tornadoes that he's causing. And it flies up and ends up cutting this uh, mountain up. I think that's what did it. <laughs> or maybe it was the earth bending. I couldn't tell. <laughs> but either way, it ends up causing a big rock slide, and they all have to run. And then Aang gets one single little pebble on his head, and he wakes up, and 
he's all excited to tell him about his awesome dream that they had and everyone's kind of choked yeah i just love how it was like one small like like less the size of your fingernail um pebble that just like dunk him right on the forehead and he wakes up yeah perfect yeah then we get another super short one but another one where i just love the art uh lessons where Toph is trying to teach Aang how to uh, listen listen to the sounds of the earth beneath him. A.K.A. Seismic Sense. Yeah, Seismic Sense. We have this great little panel of her showing like, oh, we're going to listen. You can even hear the little creature is burrowing beneath you. Burrowing beneath you, I should say. And I love the way they illustrate that with the little sleeping guy in there and the roots. I think that's very pretty. Uh, but unfortunately for, for her, Sokka, the big, the big uh, b- buffoon, is wandering around and sees uh, Momo snacking on this little little uh, fruit that he found. And in, in his attempts to get it, he eventually causes such a disturbance, and Appa gets involved too, trying to steal the, the fruit, that Toph gets so choked and she traps Sokka on top of this giant spire. Earth spire. She, she's like, uh, keep it down up there, you know, you're ruining our, our concentration. And she ends up leaving him there all night, and he's like, come on, Aang's already finished his lesson, time to let me down. But Toph says, no, your lesson isn't over yet. And again, short one, but I, I, I found this one enjoyable too, and great art. You know, yeah, some of these honestly do feel like they could be, um, I guess, ta- tales of what Bossing Say, but not Bossing Say Volume 2. Because, man, these things, like, I know they're wick, and all they, they actually kind of run me of Tarkovsky's stuff with Clone Wars, but honestly, I'm, I'm digging this. Yep, yeah, it took me a little while to get in with those first three because I was kind of like, "Oh, is this is this all it's going to be? Like these are fun, but oh, they don't really feel like much." But after we got that one, uh, in the mountains there, relics, I feel like yeah, I was all in, and I kept being all in as it went on. And yeah, when we get to Sokka the Avatar, we get our first taste of a, a a fairly long one. I think this is the longest one so far. Yep, this is the longest one so far. Take it away, bud. What's what's going on with Sokka the Avatar? Yeah, so they arrive in this another little town as as they so often did, and Sokka, you know, he he's he's disgusted to see that they're selling some animal pelts, and Ang goes over and he tries on this little hat, and Sokka's like, "Oh, Ang, you look fabulous," but this this girl's there, and she was trying one of the pelts and thought that Sokka was talking about her, and instead of uh you know apologizing, like, "Oh no, I I didn't mean that towards you." Ladies man, Sokka just jumps in like, hey, of course I did. And hey, why don't we uh, go out sometime? What do you think? But she gets mad at him as for being a, a pig, I guess, and throws the animal skin at him, which it turns out is, isn't is a real animal skin, which I liked. Yeah, I gotta like quickly point out like, why does... Sokka, why are you saying like, ew, animal pelts, when there was one point later in the series, you wore a wolf pelt as a helmet? Like, wait a minute, what... Yeah. Why is this disgusting? Especially, shouldn't it have been Aang who says ew and then shouldn't have been the one to first try it on? Because, I mean, Aang's... Vi- but again, thankfully, we have that line beforehand of just like the... I guess the owner of this cart is like, that's fake animal skin. I'm a strict vegetarian and I love animals. And then Aang's like, hey, wait a minute, me too. Yeah. But um, Sokka, I guess, not wanting to take uh, take the rejection. He keeps keeps going and like, hey, you know, come on. Uh, don't don't dismiss me. You you don't know who I am. And by the way, I'm a hero. And you know maybe I'm someone that you should be interested in. And guess what? I'm also the Avatar. 
and oh boy or i guess i guess he doesn't fully frame it that way he more just says that uh like oh i, I go on adventures implying that he does it with the avatar but it more comes off saying that he's the avatar yeah because he says like you ever heard of the avatar and immediately without realizing yeah she believes oh you're the avatar yeah and Aang keeps decides to help him out just for some fun says that yeah he's the avatar and when uh, Sokka decides to show off some of his bending abilities, uh, at first he requests to do a hurricane, but Aang's like, "Hey, come on, man! I'm not, I'm not doing a hurricane here. That's crazy." Uh, instead, he just does like a little mini, little spinny uh, guy in his hand, and this is a little like you know spinny trick that he did uh, on Kyoshi Island. And Aang decides to speed things up and even pulls her towards Sokka, so Sokka could catch her in his hands. And then she's like, "Okay, not only am I interested, but you're my new boyfriend." And that's when uh, yeah, trouble begins. <laughs> it's going to his head. All right, everybody, we all we all know where this is going. Once again, uh, we got, we gotta get the tally out. We're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna we're gonna I'm uh, Caleb. We're gonna get the tally uh, sound effect from uh, Hercules, and where when when we go to the underworld and we see like you know that soul go uh, down into the abyss. Uh, and then there's that like ding. You're gonna have that in there because once again, it's the old uh, Sokka's got a, a harem of women in in every single town, and here's another one. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe we'll see some more of that as we go along, but we also see some uh, potentially some old pals of ours, the Rough Rhinos. Uh, they're still on the trail. This is yeah, book two still, and they're getting ready to track down that avatar and, and finally capture him. Yeah, this is I think after Avatar Day. And, but with Toph this time. So yeah, it's, it's sometime uh, way way after that. Yeah, and this 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 woman here, this girl, she takes Sokka to her home and introduces him to her parents. And Aang's still there, of course, to play the uh, the the real bender for Sokka. But Sokka's he's already he's already getting a little bit full of himself, and he's like, "Oh, who's this guy beside me? Oh, that's just my servant." Servant. And they're like, "Oh, a servant. That's great. Uh, send him to clean up. Get over there, you little punk." Oh, your place, Knave. Jeez. <laughs> and Sokka just kind of smiles. It's like, okay, Aang, please keep playing along here, you know. And Sokka does request, like, oh, let, let's not tell too many people about this whole Avatar thing. I want to keep it on the down low, you know, just in case anyone's after me. Uh, but uh, this girl, I maybe she's a little bit uh, vain, looking for some, some fame among, amongst the crowds. Or maybe it's her parents. Uh, but either way, well, I mean, it's like, don't worry, my parents will tell anybody. She only told her parents, so maybe her parents won't tell anybody. Fingers crossed. Well, either way, somebody lets loose, and suddenly a whole crowd's there, and they've got some some questions and some demands, and yeah, I guess the Avatar is also like a seer of the future or a marriage counselor, because that's uh, those are kind of the questions they ask them. Suddenly, this is turned into the fortune teller part two. And I did love the gag of the guy who's like, Avatar, I need some help. I got an ingrown toenail. And Sokka, so uh, pleased, says, uh, just wash your wash your feet and, you know, wear some shoes. That'll, that'll clear that up. And I, I just, I, that was a very Avatar uh, last year, Brenner joke. And I thought it played well here. 
not only that, this is a this is a good opportunity for Sokka because now he can like instill some wisdom in these people and they'll they'll actually listen to him. So I, I kind of like that, where you know he's always the idea guy and he always seems to have those kind of solutions. So it's kind of nice to actually you know see him with you know this authority you know that is invested with him, even if it's you know fake and a fallacy. Um, it's, <laughs> it's nice where he's actually solving people's problems just by you know having this title, uh, sort of given to him. Yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah, that th- that that keeps going. People keep asking for more, and he's he's starting to get a little bit tired. And eventually, uh, Katara and Toph show up, and they're like, "Hey, what's going on here?" And Toph says, uh, "Oh, look, it's uh, it's it's some of my sidekicks here to uh, to help." And even though they're initially mad, they do end up helping him out a little bit when he wants to show off some of his avatar skills. I guess the the crowd requests it. They demand. They demand that he show them the bending, and it's like, ah, uh, yeah, okay. So now I will water bend, and Katara's just like, oh, you want water bending? I'll show you water bending. Yeah, and they kind of pretend to help him out. They're they're acting like he's putting on a show at first, and then they start backfiring it on him. And he hits himself in the head with the water, and hits himself in the butt with the uh, the the ground beneath him. And before they can keep putting on some more humorous uh, displays, that's when the rough rhinos find them, and a little fight ensues. He gets uh, Sokka gets there captured, and then it's just like, yeah, not everyone gets nuts. Everyone, you know, we start seeing bending going everywhere. There's there's action, and all this stuff's pretty cool for you know how much they get in there. You can almost see like how the scenes would flow uh, between each other and what like it would be like in the animation. Um, there's a, uh, uh, by our powers combined attack, uh, the, the, um, leader, I forget his name, uh, gloats into, uh, to the other three benders and yeah, well, he's, they're asking for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with those guys defeated running off with their tails between their legs. Yeah. Once again, this, this girl, which I don't think they ever give her a name. She's overjoyed again. And she kisses Sokka and is like, wow, you know, you're so, you're so brave and it's so cool of you to, uh, let your sidekicks pretend to be benders for a while just so they could feel good. Even while you were um, bound and gagged uh, on the rough rhinos, yeah. you were still able to bend uh, even in that state. Yeah, which, by the way, looked like a little burrito again, like in uh, was the fortune teller. <laughs> yes, just, uh, no, uh, the uh, blue spirit, blue spirit. Blue spirit, okay. Yeah, when they were in their sleeping bags, like caterpillars. Yeah, and, and even after all that, he walks off smug and is like, oh, yeah, you know, bragging about how he saved a Water Nation uh, village. <laughs> An entire water tribe, which I assume, like, he means the water, the northern water tribe. Yeah, and you can see them behind waiting for another attack, the Bender group. The Bender Angs. Um, <laughs> the Bender Angs. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> uh, but then we get another very short one, and this one looks much more... Uh, more what I was expecting, which is kind of a kiddier form of animation as we get dirty is only skin deep. And this is something we see. I, I guess we saw more of it in book two than book three with, which is uh, that old Toph, you know, she's got bad hygiene. She's got to get herself sorted out. She's a smelly kid and it's time to uh, take a bath. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the art style, um, I couldn't put my finger on like what the hey this was all about, but the art style kept like, Reminded me of something. I was like, "All right, looking at Toph's face, where it's like my clothes are not dirty. This is protective layer of Earth. It's Earth bending a thing." Um, I was like, 
why does that look so familiar? And then, I, and then it hit me. Finally, like, you know, my brain was like, clink! The axioms finally united and aligned. And I was like, just as if the planets were aligning. Maybe that's the same thing. Um, I'm like, oh, that's what this is. This is kind of like a light, not light, but this is kind of like a, uh, if you squint hard enough, this looks like Kim Possible. Oh, yeah. No, I could definitely see it. I guess just anime Kim Possible. Yeah, they're not, there's not much to this. Because uh, Har eventually gets frustrated and uses her bending abilities to toss her in there. And uh, Toph does a little, uh, oh no, I'm drowning, I'm going to die routine. And she says, farewell from my watery grave. Tell the badger moles I shall miss them the most. Glug, 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 glug. Yeah, it, it's a cute enough little super short, uh, short. But yeah, not too much there. And of course, uh, with that gag, it's just like... The water is really shallow, tough. The, the, literally, Aang is just like knee-high water. It's it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it just ends with uh, all... Because they were washing their clothes, right? That was you know how this whole thing started. And of course, after Katara parts the seas, uh, then we see that, you know, when Toph goes to her muddy grave this time, uh, she... Uh, yeah, there's there's mud in your, fa- in your eyes uh, right all over uh, their clothes. So, uh, lovely. Yeah, and then we get another little, another long one with Divided We Fall, as we see um, the gang on Appa piloting through a storm. And th- this is kind of a, a, a funny premise to start because it kind of just, I mean, Sokka's, he's he's harassing Aang, like, come on, can't you uh, move this this wind and the, this water out of the way so we can, you know, just pilot, to, you know, in smooth sailings, which is a fair, question, fair point, actually. I didn't really think about that. <laughs> Yeah, what storms? Why does it have to be storms? Uh, they could have, I guess, just gone higher, but maybe they just couldn't. Anyways, whatever. Yeah, and Momo gets picked up by the wind, and he's almost getting away, and he does a little scream, uh, and Toph manages to, to grab onto him. Like, nice save, Toph. Yeah, I did like that. But then Aang, he just turns around, he sees Katara, and he's so in love with her, I guess, he's just staring and smiling. <sighs> And well, she she screams his name. Sorry, she screams his name, um, and uh, he's just like, "Hi, Katara!" Without realizing she's pointing towards tornadoes. Yeah, and then disaster strikes. The two tornadoes hit, and they all get separated. Except we do happen to see that Momo, I guess, returning the favor to Toph, grabs onto her, or is almost about to grab her before they cut away. So yeah, maybe that's a setup for something a little bit uh, later in here. Uh, actually, you know, now that I think about it, this is almost a similar premise to The Swamp. I was thinking about that too. Yep. Actually, very, very similar. Yep. No, very, very, almost like the alternate version of The Swamp. And they never like once mentioned that of like, oh, not again. And Toph's just like, what? Yeah, because we even do see when Aang uh, manages to uh, re- rebalance himself as he's falling. He uses air glider to land more safely. It does look like he's landed in a swamp. So it is quite a dense forest. So yeah, 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 I guess similar. We do see up in the corner, right behind him, this little little creature doing a little chara uh, or charak. I, I never know how to read those things in comics. The sound effects. <laughs> I never try to do the automatopias, but uh, he f- first he thinks it's Momo. So he's like, "Oh, hey, hey there, Momo. How's it going?" And it turns out, no. Upon closer inspection, it's a viper bat. Yes, and. Another cool chimeric beastie, and these ones are apparently a very grouchy uh, group, and they keep the attack on. Yeah, and, and eventually Aang, uh, he manages to escape, but 
we before he can meet up with the others, we see that there's somebody watching him, somebody who's actually friends with these viper bats and who talks in a, I guess, a deep or somehow distinct voice because they give him a different type of lettering. And Aang says, oh, maybe I can find the others. And he repeats, others, find others. Then we cut over to Sokka and Katara. And I guess they've found the, the Lost Boys. What is this little group of pirate kids stranded on this this area? Uh, you could say Lost Boys and or Jets Gang version 2. Uh, I really, really, really hope that that kid is not missing an eye. And that's just like, you know, an eye patch for a show. Oh, I think he lost it when he was playing around that, that boomerang that he just stole. <laughs> Very recently lost it. <laughs> I am looking for the blood and where the eyeball is, if that's the case. But uh, anyways, yeah, no, these these guys, yeah, yeah, these are, these are dastardly kids or whatnot. They, they want uh, materials and whatnot. I, I kind of get it. They're living out in the wild, so I guess you know, that makes sense and whatnot. I just love the... <laughs> I don't know why I love this, but I just love the little, like, you know, the guy who pokes Sokka when he's just like, um, what is it? Oh, yeah, because his arm's broken, and so, like, the guy pokes, I, I don't know why I love that expression. <laughs> yeah, but either way, a, a minor little fight ensues, and they, the, the kids eventually realize that, oh, no, Katara, she's a waterbender. Yeah, we can't let them get away, but Katara runs over to this little river, and that turns the, the tide for the fight. Pun intended. That was terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so they end up forcing the kids to return the stuff that they stole, and you know maybe give them a little spank on the butt with the wave. And it's like, oh, you act right, you little punk kids. Like this isn't good to go around stealing from folks. And then they decide, okay, well, you know, now that we've gotten our stuff, and now that we've healed up uh, Sokka's his arm, let, let's head over to this. Uh, what was it like? A tower that they saw. Yeah, it was a ta- that was the, that was the thing that that was the initial thing uh, before they even fell into this swamp or you know this what, what do you call it this like region this 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 forest region uh, was that uh, while they were in Oppa they 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 saw this tower and they're like oh let's go there because it's like you know mm. uh, point point of in- uh, interest there we go because it's like oh yeah it's there we're beyond all the like you're in a corn maze and then you see like you know one of the uh, stands or something like that. You're you're seeing it up there. It's like, oh, let's go over there. So that's Ang saw that when he was on the ground, and Alsaka and Katara uh, see and go to it uh, as they make their way towards it, and they're like, yeah, I wonder where Toph is. Cut to the tower. Yep, and Toph has been very hastily dressed in this kind of princess outfit, and there's this old granny there kissing on her and happy to have her there and pinching her cheeks. Even Momo's getting in on it. He's trying to redirect her little crown and. He's got a little cape on, which I think is very cute. Love Momo in a cape. <laughs> um, eventually, Sokka and Katara arrive, but they hear this this rumbling, this this scary sound. And at first, I think it's uh, Sokka's stomach, but it turns out it's yeah, it's this guy with the booming voice thing. Hello, others, and so they show up to the party with Toph and the grandma and and, and Momo, and they're happy to see her and. I guess they're they're friends with this guy too, but when Aang eventually reaches them, he thinks that the other ones are being held captive and puts the fight to him. Eventually he realizes that, oh no, there's been a misunderstanding here in this guy. Maybe he, I don't know, maybe got hit in the head or something, speaks kind of slow, but Aang realizes that, oh, hey, I shouldn't uh, misjudge. I should just be, realize that these folks are actually just here to be friends and this place used to be an orphanage. 
and the granny is just uh, been missing having kids there since the war took them all away. Yeah, uh, it was Katara who stopped because she found this wonderful picture, which I'm like, wait, who painted that? Because it looks like it was taken by a camera. Yeah, it kind of does look like it. Yeah. Uh, anachronistic, never mind. But, so one of the things that I was a little bit, you know, miffed by was, oh, I was kind of hoping that we would see, like, maybe, uh, not come up, but we would see, like, you know, the other four Lost Boys kind of come back here and, you know, Kartara and Sokka would kind of, like, make amends with them or something like that. Turns out they, I guess, are a part of the orphanage. I guess they just, I mean, I hope granny didn't kick them out or something like that because they were becoming i guess like yeah. too much or they're just you know like having too much attitude or something but you definitely can see them you know in the picture there as I, I didn't realize that until then i'm like oh well, that's so cute and yeah the kid by the way had that eye so yeah he's missing an eye yeah no that is sad i wonder if she did kick him out hmm. i didn't notice the eye patch kid there yeah i I hope not. Yeah, she's holding. He's she's holding the one, you know, the guy there. It's like, oh, bud. Um, yeah, I don't know, but definitely would have loved to know. I would have loved, if if anything, like some of these, you know, if we got like a, a Tartakovsky style, like you know, series of micro like episodes. This is definitely one that I'd love to see them go into because I definitely kind of want to see more of this. Yeah, no, they could definitely expand it. And I again, I I mentioned I do love Momo and his cape. I love Appa with his crown and his little gloves. <laughs> so it's such a cute image. It looks like boxing gloves to me for some reason. <laughs> He's the boxing king. Yeah, and so they end up staying for some nice uh, worm soup. Beetle worm soup. Beetle worm soup. That's how we end that. Uh, we, we move on to Reach for the Toff, which is a very drastically different uh, art style compared to what we've seen so far. Yeah, I definitely was wondering what you uh, thought of uh, some of these. Like, again, so far pretty much like you know straight from the series like straight off the animation reels and this one is finally like you know departure so what's your what's your thoughts um it, it's not my favorite of the departures that we get in this but um uh, i guess actually i think all the departures are done by uh cory lewis except for that first one that we saw but um yeah the, the story itself i don't think there's much there it's just kind of like a training battle and it's just showing that Toph is a uh, pretty tough fighter until uh well no i guess she's just a tough fighter all around <laughs> yeah no this is basically just uh king of the hill like you know this is a classic thing if you're playing halo for instance or sorry halo combat evolved there's king of the hill so yeah she's just playing that or sorry queen of the hill pardon <laughs> me uh part pardon me uh so it's like yeah she basically just kicks butt in this one and yeah i think it, you know it's, it's pretty cool it's just like all that and kind of I, i'm kind of digging the art style uh, they're yeah. definitely a little bit different there, but and we actually see her improve uh, a bit. Actually, no, I guess because she could tell where the boomerang was coming from, because I guess she felt where Sokka's presence was, and I guess just you know listened for it to come through, and yeah, she shows that she's actually I guess you know, improved her uh, abilities when it comes to recognizing something coming in from the air. Anyways, yeah, moving on. Yeah, it's only natural. This one, I absolutely, absolutely loved it. This was one of my favorites up to this point. We get an explanation. <laughs> and what is that explanation, sir? Yeah, so we always kind of wondered, whatever happened to that old Earth King? Did he just wander off into the, the, the wilderness? And, you know, or, or maybe did the t Team Avatar just get sick of him? And it's like, hey, we're ditching you. Just uh, stay here when we leave. Find it, fend for yourself. Well, I mean, 
they did they did bring it up in book three the beginning where it's just like and he went off to i guess explore the world what hey maybe that's their political way of saying we got sick of that 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 guy that stuffed the earth kings we ditched him yeah no the the more reasonable one potentially well but we see that um yeah they've been he's been staying with them uh, but you know that old his his old bear bosco He's just not used to sleeping out in the, the, you know, the elements. So he's moved into Sokka's tent. <laughs> and Sokka, he, he's immediately not happy about it. And I guess that sets him off the path of, okay, I got to teach this guy to be a bear. So he'll get out of my, my tent there. And he stumbles across the Earth King the next day, going through an encyclopedia on bears and how they how they live in, in the wilderness. And Sokka comes over. He's like, okay, this this is some nonsense here. Don't worry about it. I'm an expert. I'll teach this bear all he needs to know. And so we get a, a series of vignettes of him showing different ways that bears operate. And every time, poor Bosco just kind of <laughs> just does not meet the task. At first, uh, Sokka wants him to climb up a tree to get some honey. But always oh, got those he's, those manicured nails, you know, that they're just not built well for climbing. And he doesn't even know how to climb. And so that that doesn't work out too well. But But throughout this whole thing, we get a ton of funny images and... Sokka trying to push him up the tree with that very strained face. I think it's pretty funny. And then uh, he decides to teach him, okay, you know, maybe that whole honey thing, that didn't work so well. Let's head over to the river. Let's let's do some fishing. That's That's got to be really easy for a bear. But of course, once they get there, Bosco pulls out his uh, trademark uh, fishing rod and he tries <laughs> to do some work there. And again, uh, Sokka's like, okay, th- this is, th- the bears do it with their hands. They don't do it with these, these dang fishing rods. Like, what are you doing over there, bear? And so he leaps into the water and tries to show him how it's done. And the, the Bosco even gets some laughs in here, too, which uh, when Sokka finally comes out, he's covered in seaweed. And the Earth King's like, look, Bosco, nature's fishing net. And the bear shares a little growling laugh. And then Sokka decides, OK, if, if all that stuff's not working, at the, at the very least, this guy, he's got to learn how to find a shelter for himself in the night. You know, a bear, he can't just be sleeping on the elements or some, I don't know, a dragon or something will come and get him. So he's, he's got to find a, a cave for himself. But of course, once uh, Sokka goes in there, a porcupine's there. And uh, yeah, sets uh, sets him on the chase. And then, uh, yeah, so he's like, okay, a, a bear, you know, he's got to have a distinctive roar. He's, he's got to sound really scary, really ferocious. That's the way you keep uh, those other bears out of your territory. And take off that dang hat, hat by the way. I should have said that part. And so he's like, okay, let it loose. Show, show me what you got, Bosco. And the Earth King's like, oh, you know, he doesn't really have a roar, but he does have this beautiful whistle. And so Bosco sets off to the whistle. At this point, Sokka's just like, okay, this this is becoming a bit too much. So he decides, okay, you know, if all this fails, at the very least, this guy, this big burly bear, he's got to know how to take care of himself in a fight. So, okay, Bosco, put him up. Let, Let me show you how it's done to defend yourself. But Bosco, again, he just he's he's not good at this stuff, but he is good at playing playing dead. So at least he can do that in case another bigger bear tries to get him or something. And at the end, Sokka was like, well, you know, I feel I feel bad about this. This whole day was a waste of time. But the Earth King says we actually learned something. You know, there, there are many things out there in the world that me and Bosco, we just don't have the knowledge that we, we should have. So we decided that we're going to go off into the wilderness and you know, try to, to live as humble men. At least uh, the Earth King says it about himself, but Bosco does say in bare language that he's going to do the same. And so they head off. Yeah, and for filling in the gaps between those two, I, I think this was a wonderful little little issue here to uh, yeah, tell us how, how they went off, off on their own. 
Indeed. The Earth King realizes he's useless, so he's going to, um, in order to edumacate himself. Yeah, should have already known after his failures in Bossing Say, but... He is now, as the kids say nowadays, woke. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what did you think of that one? Did you like that one? Yeah, no. Yeah, it's definitely... I don't know if it satisfies your curiosity over... And gives you a good explanation as to what it was actually like in the series. I, I don't, I, like, what are your thoughts? Because I'm satisfied. I'm like, okay, I guess that's the safest explanation. Or, or not reasonable, but I, the word will come to me. Yeah, instead of Katara coming over like, okay, Earth King, you know, you know, you failed so much in, in Bossing say We've had it with you. Uh, go fend for yourself. Get out of here. And Bosco and him just kind of sulk off. <laughs> That's what I was imagining before. Are you satisfied with uh, this explanation? Yeah, no, I I, def- I I liked it a lot. I thought it was a great little mini issue. And I could see the Earth King being ridiculous enough that that's what he decides to do. In the middle of a war... <laughs> He's not going to stay to try to help and better the world. He's just going to selfishly go off with his, his friend Bear and explore the wilderness. That that fits for that character, I think. So, you know, up to this point, we've had, you know, several. Actually, come close to the end of uh, uh, book, book two, Earth. Hmm. But there's some person, there's somebody we, we're missing. Actually, two somebodies that we haven't exactly interacted with. Um... Somebody, yep. you know, like, part of the show that, I mean, up to this point, you're like, does he even exist? Like, do we even acknowledge his existence? And, well, that's, uh, that's in this one, this issue, going home again, we uh, see good old Prince Zuko, now, I guess, reestablished as the prince of the Fire Nation. Yeah, and another one that I, I really like, but but you can take this one away, if you want. Yeah, of course, okay. Uh, it's not really reestablished as Fire uh, Fire, Prince, Fire, Prince of the Fire Nation yet, but definitely post Crossroads of Destiny. Again, both this one and the previous issue, and basically we are dealing with the transfer of Iroh to back to the palace, back to the Fire Nation capital, and the guards are actually kind of bewildered. They're a little bit like diplomatic. That was the word. Dip. I wonder, like, if um, if the whole like you know reason the Earth King went on the on the um on the journey, like, uh, walking the earth as a humble man. Uh, if that was diplomatic of them saying, like, yeah, he's not really fit out for this, so we gotta get rid of him. Uh, I don't know if that was the case, but anyway. Yeah, but these two guards there, these two guard buds, they're like, ah, oh, it's kind of, like, this is the general, we actually, one of us, uh, one of I, I served under him. So they're kind of bewildered. They're not making insults at him, but they're definitely just, like, scratching their heads at what's going on. Of course, you know, Zuko... Is walking by and he kind of overhears this and he's not looking too good he's he's kind of almost regretting what he's about to do and he's um saying some things that you don't you don't want to hear you shake your head you're just like come on Zuko why are you doing this um and yeah orders them to you know, he says some nasty things about uh Iroh being a traitor whereas these guys actually kind of showed him some respect and yeah, Zuko lashes out in fury of like you know yeah get back to work with, literally with fire and yeah he's not, he's not having it so uh, you got you got to take this next one I you, I, I you have to it's just too, it's too funny yeah so anyway he heads off to the the throne room back in in Bossing Say and we discover that you know I guess this is when he found out that uh, Azula's plan to head back to the the Fire Nation capital and she wants to take him with her. 
And he's like, hey, but how, how can we do this? You know, you just took over the city. Like, who, who's going to run it? But, of course, there's already a pre-baked perfect person to uh, follow whatever instructions Azula has. And that's the Supreme Bureaucratic Administrator, Judy. Back again. I don't know which one this is, but <laughs> one of many. Yeah, if this is the first one we saw when we entered the city, or if this is her replacement by the end of the episode. <laughs> Either way, Brilliant. Yeah, uh, and and by the way, I just have to gush. The first panel of like literally, I guess panel one because there's only three of them. Panel one of page ninety nine zero. Oh wow! Good grief, the art of that badger roll. Holy smokes! Fantastic. The art. I just got. I'm sorry. I got to shout out the artists here. Uh, I'm glad they're here. Thankfully, man. I, the, the fact. Also, I don't mind the fact that it's not like Marvel or DC where it's just like, no, they just put them all on the bottom just in regular font. I don't mind. Um. Let's see, art by Amy Kim Genter. My Great work. goodness, your Great art work. is amazing. Like, oh, yeah, magnifique. Anyway, um, so anyway, yeah, so that, that, this is Azula's plot. You know, she's going to put Judy in charge. Brilliant. And um, so she's like, yeah, let's go. we're going to go back to Fire Nation. I guess I didn't mention that. This is all taking place in Bossing Se right now. Um, but then Zuko's like, he's he's not having it. He's, he's in a huff. He's like, you don't need me for that. I'm staying here. And she's like, what is this I'm hearing from you? You cannot be serious. Like, uh, after all that I went through to, you know, get you back on our side, it's just like, hey, you see it. And I'm going with you. It's like, good grief, Zuko's not having that right now. <laughs> so, of course, when Azula is mad, and that's usually her thing, not always the time, actually, she's kind of calm. She, she, The first person she goes to is, Ty Lee, uh, stop what you're doing and listen to me. <laughs> yeah demanding once again oh boy this relationship oh yeah no definitely uh you know, all eyes on me center of attention center of the ring it's like my circus anyway um they, she postulates and you know formulates and schemes of a plan to uh get zuko to return with her to the fire nation uh, i guess she's just saying this tightly just so she could hear the sound of her own voice anyways uh to bounce it off somebody and <laughs> oh boy i don't know uh you gotta you gotta take this away so yeah again mopey zuko he doesn't want to go along with them and you know i mentioned uh, during our uh book three overview that i was like oh i feel like you know every now and again you see an element of azula where it seems like she's got this element of wanting to get zuko back in the right place with their family and i was never quite sure of her motives occasionally it seemed like it was for i don't know unseen reasons for her maybe mischievous or maybe more tender and we just didn't know it and i feel the same thing here either way she is insistent that "Mm, i'm not leaving my brother here he's he's coming back with us as we return to the fire nation and you know i was trying to think of some way to trick him into coming with us she doesn't say it outright but of course that's her motivation and she's like you know you remember uh ty lee that old zuko and may used to have this this childhood crush on each other Let's see if we can reignite that flame. Let's put together a little romantic dinner for them. And everything has to be absolutely perfect. My, my, this has to be just right in order to set the mood for the two of them to yes, yeah, light, light their flames for each other again. And the two of them show up and it's kind of like, oh, like, like what's going on? Where, where is everybody? We, we thought we were going to a meeting. And they're like, well, I guess there's food here. Let, let's, let's sit down and have some, some food. And some guy creeps in with a with a not particularly tiny violin, but they kick him out because he's not even using the stick right. And they're like, hey, that sounds terrible. Where's your violin stick? 
uh, get out of here, you. And so he, he goes off sad. And of course, I, I do love this detail that in the in the bushes, Ty Lee and Azula are just snickering in amusement that this poor guy uh, got kicked away. <laughs> and just cackling at each other with what's going on. And I, I'm sorry, I just I also have to point out the fact that just having Azula order around these Tylee, Dylee agents, excuse me, to, you know, fix everything together. That was, that was bringing, that was why I couldn't help myself but laugh. Or is that you had to take over? Cause I just, I was snickering, man. Just... This whole issue is by the way, very, very funny. This. Yeah. And I think the other word you're looking for is ulterior motives. There's always mm-hmm. like, she's, mm-hmm. she's scheming. Like Azula always has something up her sleeves. That's why she always wears, you know, those, those long sleeves. And by the way, I'm going to say, uh, May in uh, Earth Kingdom attire. She looks very nice. Yeah, I definitely yep. uh, like that on her. Um, yeah, the whole the whole loot business of just like, will you go tune that loot of yours? Like, all right, I'll go tune me loot anyway. Um, so yeah, they but yeah, um, Zuko catches Azula and Tylee, <laughs> um, you know, stalking them in the bushes. <laughs> like, I know you're back there and. It was just like, Ty Lee, how could you? Like, we can't be disturbing them. And she, of course, is peeved. And, and of course, like, Izuko's just like, all right, let's just blow this joint. And they, they, they head off. They're like, all right, let's get out of here. And I might as well just uh, go for a walk. And, you know, they, they start going out for a walk. They hit the streets. They hit the streets of either, like, I guess the uh, third ring or whatever it was called. But, yeah, the third ring of, uh, of uh, Bossing Say there. And uh, what happens? Oh man, I can't tell you how excited I was about this twist. I did not see this coming at all. That as they're walking around, uh, someone in the crowd happens to recognize uh, Zuko, or is it perhaps Lee? Because uh, yeah, Jin once again returns and she comes over, so excited, like, "Oh, Lee, uh, where have you been? I haven't seen you in a while." And May over there in the corner is like, "Oh, Lee, like, what's going on here?" And she. You know, her, as part of the Azula attack squad, does like to poke and, you know, prod just like the other two do. And so she decides to play along and make a little bit of a joke out of this. And Zuko says, like, oh, you know, it's a, a friend of mine, uh, you know, from, from the circus. She She's a knife thrower. And so May decides to do a little display. And she grabs one of these nasty little fish that they were uh, kind of being culturally insensitive. And they're like, oh, really? People eat this stuff? Oh, like, how embarrassing. So she grabs one of those fish and puts it on Zuko's head and grabs off this little icicle and decides to do her little knife trick. And she manages to hit the knife or hit the fish just perfect. And Jin's so impressed and may maybe making fun of her or Zuko. I'm not sure which. Probably more Zuko. It's like, oh, Jin, why don't you try? And Jin decides to do it and almost uh, collides right with Zuko's face. <laughs> By the way, I did think Jin looked really cute in this. I, I felt bad for her to some degree that she just stumbled upon this other date with Zuko. Ah, uh, yeah, no, she's forced to be the second girl to to May. That's uh, shake my head. It's the Betty and Veronica um, relationship. Ah, uh, yeah, just shake my head. Uh, problem, excuse me, not paradox, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and I think they did a good job illustrating kind of the economic difference between. I mean, if you look at her compared to May. She looks much more like a poor girl stumbling into this situation with two much more wealthy people, I think. Well, I'd say Zuko's still pretty 
pretty light looking, you know, fairly to the ground. He still looks you know, dressed as, you know, any, you know, commoner in the crowd, which is a good thing. Whereas, yeah, you see May here, she's, well, again, she's a governor's daughter. So, of course, even if she's in a different city, she's going to wear nobility of some sort, uh, clothing that would mark her uh, status uh, in life. Yeah, but I guess to continue on a little bit here, they uh, after they've left Jin at that, uh, I don't know when, but again, I, I feel bad for her. they they did they ditched her quickly. If I if I may say something though, sure. Uh, I love how um, going into I guess some of the episodes uh, in the real series, you know, Jin she had that made that note about how you know he's hopefully this uh, this girl his friend. Uh, May's uh, better juggler or good at knife throwing better than he was juggling. That was a bit in Tales of Black Sea, if you remember. And the whole bit, I don't know if you realize this, but the whole bit with the knife throwing trick, I don't know if you remember this because at the end of it, when Zuko, you know, uh, was ends up in the fountain after almost getting hit by Jin, mm-hmm. um, May goes, Now we're even. Did you get that reference? No, I, I couldn't remember what that was for. This was a reference to, in Zuko alone, the little bit in the flashback sequence where Zula and Tai Lee uh, realized, oh, uh, you know, Zuko's in love with uh, Mei or whatnot. They have a crush. It's like, all right, we're going to play a little game. So Azula puts, what, the apple on uh, oh, May's head, yeah. lights it on fire. Uh, William tells her, and <laughs> then Zuko, of course, you know, concerned for May's safety because, of course, he is because he cares. Um, rushes over to extinguish the flame, but they both end up in the water, in the in the fountain. And so this is, I guess, a callback to that. Thank you. I'd forgotten that detail, but nicely yeah. done, guys. Nicely done, guys. This was, I believe. Oh, yes, that's right. I mean, there's a few people who did this, but the first one on the list was Aaron Ehaz. So, continuity. Anyways, continue. Yeah, and and, and Zuko's, he's irate. He's like, what were you trying to pull here? You could have gotten me killed. And, of course, May, she's always nonchalant. She's like, whatever, Lee. And he gets upset again. Angry Zuko, as always. He grabs onto her shirt like, hey, stop it. But then he realizes, oh, I'm touching her. And, and she puts this expression on like, oh, I don't mind this. And then he's like, oh, you seem to be enjoying yourself. And I've I've missed seeing you this way. And again, he looks angry. <laughs> Either way, it, it sparks uh, them having a little kiss there. <laughs> like maybe she likes his anger. I don't know. A couple of weirdos. Those two. <laughs> well, to a point, though, because again, like, you know, the way he behaved on the beach. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get I don't know there. where that came from. I, uh, yeah, but I guess, I guess, yeah, maybe like just as like an intro, yeah, intro, but uh, reintroduction between these two, I'm going to assume like this is how it starts. And then eventually when we get to the beach, that's when he's like, I guess, fully irate or whatever. We see how things used to be, or hopefully not how it used to be because different when he was three years younger. Yeah, but we do get for the final page, Azula watching on like, hmm, looks like my plan worked. The two lovebirds have gotten back together. But she overhears May asking if Zuko's going to come with her, and he's still hesitant. And so Azula comes over, and she's like, oh, look, there's poor Uncle being loaded up on the, the ship. Oh, I wonder if he'll even survive the journey home. And then she pretends that she's about to leave, and then Zuko, staring on, says, no, I'm coming with you. And she's like, oh, whatever you want, uh, Zuzu, it's your decision. And we see that smug look. <laughs> Sneaky old Azula. Always knows the buttons to push. 
ulterior motives. So, so I love that. A really, really great little issue there. Yeah, turns out that's... Uh, if we all thought, you know, Zuko was going to go back to the Fire Nation. Turns out he would have not. So, interesting that they had this little uh, ploy there. Azula had to you know, use some trickery to get him over there. But, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, in the end it was inevitable that Zuko and May were going to end up back together. So, hopefully that satisfied your you know, curiosity. But definitely gave a, I guess, origin, or re-origin, whatever you want to call it, reintroduction, uh, for these two lovebirds to continue their relationship with. So there's your answer. And I loved it. I thought it was great. If you wanted one. <laughs> I didn't necessarily need one, but for this, I think this was, yeah, served my needs perfect, perfectly. Uh, how about you? Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely enjoyed this. And especially since, uh, yeah, the, the, ba- the call out to... Uh, what is it? The call out to Zuko alone was great. And then, of course, yeah, the Tales from Bossing Say with Zuko's segments with Jin. Yeah, it's. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no. I'm sad. That's. that. that she definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, just. just. I definitely wish that, you know. She, she, you know I mean, Maybe who knows? We'll 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 never know. Maybe maybe the two break up eventually. I mean, they're together by the end of the series, but yeah, poor Jin, poor poor Jin. She would have would have definitely loved to explore that relationship. Maybe she'll get a boyfriend or something like that. But hopefully, oh, man, yeah. Just shake my head. I feel so sorry for her. But anyways, no, this one was good. I definitely enjoyed this one. Seriously, like almost none of these I haven't enjoyed. Uh, the only one I had a problem with, not problem, but the only one I was like, oh, I wish there's more of it was the. Uh, the storm one or whatever it was called yeah but if that one served to kind of fill in the gap between zuko and may's relationship this one the next one the bridge they 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 even title it the bridge is literally the bridge between the end of book two and the first episode of book three the awakening it's just when ang woke up and was like holy crap how did i arrive on this fire nation ship with all these people here all of a sudden what's going on this is the issue that tells us how we got there yeah, because it was three weeks. There was three weeks between Crossroads of Destiny and The Awakening. Yeah. Or was it Reawakening? Whichever one it was. Oh, and the issue I was referring to, by the way, was Divided We Fall. Just, you know, more with the Lost Boys and the Orphanage thing. But anyway, that's... Uh, um, let's see. The the art, sir. That's the first thing I want to ask you about this. What did you think of the art in this one? Um, It definitely is different. It took me a little bit of adjustment. Um, I... I, I, I... I don't think almost any of these are bad art. Um, and I, I overall liked it, but yeah, I, I maybe would have preferred if they stuck with more of the traditional look for the show, but I think it ends up working well enough. How about you? Whenever it was, sorry. Yeah. Whenever it's Katara, like whenever it's the art, the arts with Katara, especially the last panel uh, of this issue. Uh, good grief. I love it. I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, and also they love doing stuff with red. Uh, it starts actually, I just realized this looking at little, like flipping between like the first page. Well, I'm sorry. Page 99 and then 111. That's mm-hmm. funny. Um, it's, it starts from blue and then goes to red. Like they're literally in the fire. Like that's kind of cool. Um, but anyway, so, uh, what happens here, sir? What's going on with the, the bridge? Are they on the bridge? Well, it's done almost as if it's done in like montage. We just keep seeing all these kind of flashes of events as Katara is just kind of telling us what's happened. I guess she's actually writing a, a journal entry as they're traveling. A journal entry, the classic, uh, I guess, writing piece or yeah. what, narrative piece. There we go. Yeah. A little piece of epistolary uh, fiction there for us. 
Thank you. I couldn't. Uh, I do not know how to say that. Yeah, we see that uh, the Duke and Pipsqueak have uh, joined them, and they even show that the, the Earth King and Bosco are there, which I was a little bit like, oh, I guess they came back from their little sabbatical in the woods. Um, so I guess there's that. Uh, I think like maybe things. I don't know. I I, I don't know if writing teams forgot to you know <laughs> make mention of this to one another, or if it was just like they were on the boat, then they left. Like they docked and then I I don't know. Yeah, but either way, they're on uh, their dad Hakoda's ship. At least I'm assuming it's his ship. But they realize that very close behind them is a Fire Nation scout, and everyone's a little bit concerned. They they don't know what they're going to do about this. But that old thinking Sokka, he's got a plan as always, and he decides that their best bet is to switch boats. So they purposely sink their own, and then they wait and wait for the Fire Nation ship to arrive. And as they're kind of like, oh, look, these idiots killed themselves. Oh, nothing to worry about. When when the night finally hits and these guys go on, that's when they strike. And they, they do a sneak attack. They sneak onto the ship. And I, I guess they uh, we see them with their blades. I guess they kill all these Fire Nation uh, folks. No, 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 they don't. No, they, no, they don't. <laughs> Page 107, t- first panel. Uh, I guess that's fair. Uh I wish they'd be more uh, that they'd show them killing them, but <laughs> I know there was a I, I know the moment you're referring to where we see literally like Hakoda like thwap literally at one oh five, uh, I guess panel four where he almost, you know, uh makes that guy a paraplegic, but no, the guy like jumps in the last moment. <laughs> uh or no, actually it's sorry, it's not it's not blade, it's his club. Never mind. So he breaks his legs, there we go. And they stink up the place. They snuff him out. Yeah. Oh yeah, they they tie them and they leave them uh, Shanghai them. I, there you wait, go. That, can I say that nowadays? Actually, wait, is that racist? Oops. I'm not sure, but but we'll just we'll just skip past it. Hopefully, no one will notice. Uh, notice, please. <laughs> Even though I'll leave this in, so we'll be calling it out ourselves. I'll leave it. <laughs> so yeah, they they keep sailing it until eventually they arrive at the Serpent's Pass. So, like okay, that, that that'll be the best direction for us to go is kind of a to bridge the gap for us to enter the the fire nation but as they go through it they notice that oh no now they've put up this this wall here like oh crap what are we going to do but they decide that this is the best way to test their their new disguise and so they they try to go through and i think it's just through uh what is it Hakoda or Sokka that uh i believe it's i think it's Hakoda who kind of announced like he's taken like you know the role of the captain and so or at least speaking and so you know says to you know the i guess the security checkpoint um soldier like oh yeah we're just going you know we destroyed the water tribe fleet now we're heading we're rendezvousing uh, with the rest of the fleet there um and so you know he gives he gives a look it's like all right, good sailing, soldier. And they open the gates and they go through and then makes a, a quick point. as a little, mm. uh, little ditty. Gives a little note of like, by the time you join the rest of the fleet, they'll probably send you straight home. What makes you say that? Didn't you hear? The war's almost over. The Avatar was killed at Bossing Say. And they're all just like, oh, er, eh, pff, eh, eh, um, they're, 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 they're hopeless. They've lost hope. And of course, the smug Meister himself, the absolute smug man himself. Sokka's like, hmm, hmm, just like, you know, just 
today he's, he's just having it again he's just like all the the air itself is just like igniting and, and reacting with his smugness that's why it's all red because <laughs> uh, he's like hmm I know something that they don't which is we're gonna think that uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep this a secret between our, we're gonna let them believe that Aang is in fact dead for when at the turn of the tide we will reveal him and then we shall proceed forward with my plan Yep, that old thinking sucker. He's always got a plan running, that guy. Clever little guy. But I do like, as we end Katara's little journal entry, her little wraparound segment, we see her healing Aang, and I, I think that's a really beautiful image, like you mentioned before. Yeah, it has that spirit of hope that things will finally move forward once the Avatar returns. Which made me realize that, um, well, back in Boy in the Iceberg, you know, Aang wanted to go into the Fire Nation ship. And what happens in the beginning of book uh, three, chapter one? He's inside a Fire Nation ship. Oops. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I do like as we venture on to book three. I'm, I'm sure they have this in your pages too, where they have these tiny little uh, like in-betweens. And one of them is Aang riding that um, seahorse fish hippo <laughs> grabbing yep. onto its tail. Just great. Love that. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, that's, uh, I definitely can see that there, so, you know, this is, yeah, definitely, definitely worth the purchase, by the way, but anyway. Yeah, but I think we'll probably close it down here for this first, uh, this first part, considering we've been going so long so far, I imagine that we're probably gonna, for the book three, uh, section of this, probably gonna go pretty long as well, so, yeah, we'll close it down here, but, but thank you all for listening to the first half of our discussion covering Avatar, The Lost Adventures. Uh, tune in next week we're going to put the next one out early uh, instead of waiting two weeks it's just going to come out next saturday so uh, tune in then as we cover the second half of this and we'll see you all on the next one 